0: Now, before we get into today's episode, uh, we've got another sad announcement, um, because now it happened while we were off on our Christmas break, or we might have said something sooner, and in fact we've, we've released an episode uh, where I felt a bit odd that we didn't comment on this, but it was all done and dusted, ready for the Christmas holiday. So we're doing it now, um, I'm afraid we have sadly lost another Hume.
1: Yes, yeah, sadly, um, we discovered on Christmas Eve that we have lost Sonic the Comic Letterer Ellie DeVille. Um she was uh, also well-known for her work on 2000 AD and
0: the Judge Dredd magazine. A name really synonymous with the comic. You know, I didn't know much about her. I never met her, but I've always known her name because exactly. it was always right there.
1: It's like letterers were then, are now, and probably sadly always will be, the unsung heroes of, of comic books. Good lettering mm. is, is essential to a good comic book experience. And Sonic the Comic in particular was the comic because... As I've said so many times, i poured over every detail of it that taught me to pay attention to the letterers. Mm. It was the comic that I, I read the lettering credits for. I saw who did lettering credits. I could recognize individual letterers' styles on a strip without having to look at the credits by the time I was done. I knew it so well. And Ellie DeVille is the name that goes hand-in-hand hand with Richard Elson and Nigel Kitching. Yeah. Even with our knowledge of her work, we were still finding out new things about her when we started this podcast again and learned about her backwards cues, which we, yeah. uh, we always try to look out for now. But her first work on on Sonic the Comic was on the first Shinobi serial. Mm. And uh, this issue brings Shinobi back again with uh, Ellie on letters again. So uh, we hope that as you listen to this episode, you can celebrate her memory with us as we get stuck into new Shinobi and a new issue of Sonic the Comic.
0: Hey, boomers! Welcome back to Sonic the Comic, the podcast. We're the humans who think we're in charge. I'm Dave Palmer, And I'm Chris McFeely, and this week we are looking at issue number 19
1: of Sonic the Comic, cover dated February the 18th, which means it was released on February the 5th.
0: Yeah, and this cover is entirely dedicated to the Eternal Champions, it says along the top. New! The Eternal Champions have arrived. And it's, they're basically all doing a great big power pose across the page. Like what X-Men do.
1: Yeah, it's its uh, its a very X-Men-y sort of strip.
0: Yeah. A diverse, multicultural,
1: cross-time fetish mob. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> who, um well we'll learn more about them as we go in because yeah this issue is um it's another one of those issues where two serials have ended so two brand new serials begin the Eternal Champion, Sega's hot new fighting game that they really wanted to be like the new Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter to go up against them and Shinobi is back as well yes but the, yeah kick it champions kick it champions uh, Shadow Yamato on the at the front of the team and uh, yeah that's it They're starring Sonic the Hedgehog up in the corner but it is all about the eternal champions and we will find out why when we get inside shall we go inside
0: now not just yet because we've got an irrelevant back page advert so let's cover it now <laughs>
1: irrelevant back page advert you gotta cre- create a little uh, intro section for that it's an irrelevant back, back page, page advert,
0: advert. <laughs> the height of lego advertisement art to my mind was when the first lego pirates came out for their oh, catalogs that you used to get you used to get this, there's some incredible photography done of the various sets. That we, I remember one where you, the camera's looking down over the, the dark shark pirate ship. You've got a parrot perch just near the camera. Lots of beautiful greens, lots of beautiful blues. But... With that as my base, it's always been difficult for me to see the appeal of the normal town lego. Well,
1: isn't that true even today?
0: It, oh, it 100,000% is true today, but it has a lot of fans. Yeah, oh yeah, not knocking it or
1: anything, but it's like whenever you could have an AT-AT or, or, or the Daily Bugle
0: or Avengers Mansion or or the the Batcave or whatever. I'm just hearing a lot of tie-ins here. No. For me, it was all about the lego specific stuff. It was the pirates, it was the emtrons, it was the castles and dragons and warriors. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: no, but I'm talking about today. <laughs> because you don't get any of that stuff today you get the city stuff or the tie-in stuff that's
0: what i mean. I tell you who does get it today and that's the girls yeah don't they though we were at i think we were at john lewis or know, anyway we were at a big shop they had a toy section we were having a little look around this was a few years ago now and they had this lego fairyland set and it was quite the most amazing thing I'd ever seen it was like this giant castle there was multiple keys that different fairy characters had that you could put into locks on the castle set that would make stuff happen, one would open a lego portal one would open different doors, it was absolutely amazing, the girls have the good lego these days.
1: Well they do come out with the occasional original thing, Like there's, they did that monster hunters thing a few years ago and there's so some, they kind did. Of, so they did. some kind of app based spookum
0: type lego kicking there- about at the moment, yeah well here we have the the basic boring town lego but it's lego photography done quite well even if i don't personally yeah, see the nice appeal one. of the product we've got a uh, a sort of a, a city in the background that is kind of styled as if it's made of lego and i suppose in those days it probably was
1: oh man oh i didn't see the fire station right smack in the center there it's the furthest thing off. The- i had the
0: fire station did you really
1: yeah i did i had the
0: fire station huh well uh, i'm very excited for you uh we also have sarky <laughs> i had the giant pirate ship but okay sea patrol mm, my power friend boat. Had it. <laughs> yeah well I, I, this was I, I wasn't usually at the top of the mountain when it comes to that sort of thing but I, I, on that occasion i was the kid who had the pirate ship and in <laughs> fact i was this was such a rare thing that I was invited to do an assembly about it at oh, school. Man. And do I you know did. <laughs> I have a
1: school-related story about the Lego pirate ship as well. Oh, then please tell it. I came in one day. I was in P4, I remember, Prime 4. And, um, so that would have made me uh, seven. Seven at the time. So I come in anyway. I sit down at my desk and everything. But I can tell there's a weird vibe going on. <laughs> there's something up that I'm not privy to. There are people who were there already and the teacher was there and there was a vibe, like I hadn't caught on to something that was going on in the room and there was a, there was a sort of a chuckle going about. <laughs> and I was like, what, have I, what am I missing here? You know, what? what is, what is going on? What, what, and it was, it was set up on the back counter as part of like a display because I think we'd
0: been doing Pirates. You know how right. you do pirates in school yeah. at some point. So that's my school story. About I love that. I, no, that's ship. really affirming because that does confirm that it wasn't just me. The mere presence and existence of that Lego, pirate, Lego ship pirate ship. The Lego pirate ship. Yeah, that was a status symbol. Was enough to set titters around a classroom. You know, the equivalent of if the queen was standing there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what year are we talking there now? Hang on, let's see. P4, I'm seven. That means that's uh, 89.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's the year it came out.
1: Yeah, so that's like that was the equivalent of having like Boulder Hill from Mask a few years <laughs> before that, you know, you know your one friend who had the big play set uh, yeah. of of of, it, of whatever, like your your friend who had the Turtle Sewer Lair or something yeah. like that. Anyway,
0: wow, do you remember this Sonic comic we talk about sometimes?
1: No, it's uh, Sonic man. Uh, it's all rubbish, isn't it? You know. I
0: mean, it's a fad. It'll pass.
1: Control zone
0: okay we got a welcome screen from uh, megadroid and listen i suppose it's possible that people haven't been listening from the start of this entire podcast mm. megadroid is the fictional megadrivey looking robot man who supposedly runs the comic yeah
1: he's like the joint mascot slash editor of the
0: comic and we've That's
1: always right. assumed that the words were put in his mouth by editor richard burton uh, yes
0: and uh, on the inside front cover of the comic that is where megadroid spouts off about whatever he happens to want to advertise that day with the welcome screen. Um, Hey, boomers, watch how you handle this issue of STC. It's hot! Ooh! (laughs) And the very first thing he says is for a kickoff, the Eternal Champions are here. Sega's hottest new Street Fighters explode into action with STC's hottest new comic series.
1: Just the use of the word hottest twice to yeah. punctuate his warning that it's
0: hot. It's going to be extremely hot. You want to steer clear of this whole thing, otherwise, it'll shear your skin right off. <laughs> yeah.
1: The word Street Fighters there, giving you a little hint as to what you are to expect from the Eternal Champions.
0: Yes, and what you are to think of them as in your brain and to want to go and buy it because of. <laughs> Consume product. Speaking of
1: products you can consume, he also says uh, in preparation right now is the Eternal Champions special. Oh, That's right. They were pushing this so hard that uh, it got its own one-shot 48-page comic special. Like Streets of Rage and Shinobi, they would get poster mags, but Eternal Champions got its own dedicated special one-shot magazine
0: exclusive to news agents and branches of wh smith in 1994 it is not on ebay i've tried
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah uh, if you're wondering folks we <laughs> will be doing it
0: yeah and then he says some other stuff that's happening. Shinobi is back, and so boomers who raved as we did about his first appearance in STC's one to six, prepare to orbit the moon. I'm excited. I'm not that excited, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the trouble. He's he's got us so hyped for everything that's ever happened in the comic up till this point that we're now <laughs> in stratospheric levels. We're orbiting the moon.
1: That's the only way we can escalate
0: these excitements. Uh, but I mean, Sonic Three hey, is coming. Here's some actual excitement. I talk Sonic about three. excitement. We've turned over the Review Zone to a full review of the most megatastic Sonic game since well sonic 2 take that sonic spinball in the news zone (laughs) you can find out where you can actually buy it and also he says that the uh sorry about that competition about the sonic videos we're actually not doing it for another issue because something's happened behind the scenes but now we're going to give you two different videos instead
1: well i guess they must have got word that the second video was coming hot on the heels of the first so they uh they held back to make it so that they can include both of them and not just I don't I don't even remember them mentioning it to be honest.
0: I remember them mentioning it but only because I had to cut out me yet again going on about the where's Wally video that came out. Oh okay.
1: Oh well, I do remember that. Okay. <laughs> and uh, coming soon free gifts with issues 21 and 22 I remember what the gift with 21 is because I had a lot of fun with it but I don't remember what 22's was and and then coming soon more poster mags Sonic poster mag number 3 will be on sale later this very month of February 1994 was indeed the year of Sonic the comic oh yeah like it would go for so much longer than this yeah Uh, and and And, you know, even beyond what happens in the comic this year, it would go on to much greater heights in the years that followed. But it's amazing how its first full year, its first January to December (laughs) calendar year, was truly its bumper bonanza year where they put out specials. And poster mags and they push in the gifts and sonic 3 happened and
0: i mean it's a
1: great illustration of how sonic the comic struck when the iron was hot
0: absolutely and i mean apart from sonic 3 which they can't control no no but talk about timing yeah but i guess the excitement would have been up at the moment because they would have all gathered to make this comic they thought would last four issues and it's I mean, for it to be still going now and this well, it has to have been one of the better-selling comics on the shelf at this stage, mustn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I don't have any numbers, but I have read that at some point in its lifespan, it it outsold 2000 AD.
0: Oh, wow. But they're pushing their luck even there a little bit with the release of six poster mags.
1: Because we are going to do... We've said it before. We're going to do all those as well. And we will be trying... We'll say this now when we're in our control zone here. We'll be trying... To drop the episodes about these bonus, like extra publications in between our regular fortnightly episodes but this is a busy year and there are a lot of them there's like a summer special later this year too so that's something something like you know 8 or 10 extra episodes and poor Dave can only edit so many podcasts so we're going to try we're going to record them as well in advance as we can (laughs) but we're going to try but uh, please don't be mad if we don't manage it.
0: That's the thing the priority will always be the regular issues and then we'll just get the the rest out as close to as we can. It does take me the entire Higher time between episodes to edit the next one. So, hey, wouldn't it be nice if I could uh, hire an editor, and wouldn't it be nice if uh, there was a Patreon to support that? More on that at some point.
1: I love this second feature in the control zone. <laughs> this is where the fun comes in. Middle column. What
0: the heck
1: was it? Back in STC 13, <laughs> the belt clip was unleashed remember? on an unsuspecting world. You may remember, yes, that they ran a sort of fun contest for people to send in their suggestions as to what else you could use the belt clip for, because... I mean, really. <laughs> um, these are the uh, these are the yes, the best five would win exclusive Sega Pirate TV T-shirts. Oh, were these the T-shirts that were like triple XL only?
0: Yes, they may have been. Um, Shall we read out these winning suggestions? I think we should. And just for anyone who doesn't hasn't seen this, the item in question is a yellow triangle. There's a little bit more to it than that, but it's basically a yellow triangle, which presumably had some sort of hinge at the back, or nope, no, just loops. Yeah, you just
1: had it was just like. Two holes cut in it that you thread the belt through, like like the loops on your trousers.
0: Uh, okay, so it was just a triangle <laughs> <laughs> with, but with odd shapes on it because it's got a a version of an STC logo, although not the STC logo, no. which is fashioned after a triangle. You have to wonder why. Funny that. Uh, Stephen and Morty of Glasgow says. It's a belly fluff remover. Michael Marshman of Southport in Merseyside says, it's a holder for my mum's bingo cards. (laughs) And remember, there's no hinge on the back. There's no, it it can't do that. I don't know why he's saying it.
1: It could go into the, like, it could, the way it was, it's not hinged or anything, but there was like a flap. Where you, where you you threaded the belt through and it, yeah, so right. you could
0: have tucked you could have tucked them in there.
1: It's not in your box of secrets.
0: I was just thinking that as we talk. I, I it hasn't showed up, so I guess not. But it should be in there somewhere. Tragic. but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Saul Wilcox of Bath, even says it's a clothes peg. Okay, it's definitely not a clothes peg. I
1: mean, right?
0: I, it's got it's got you. It doesn't have a hinge. He's just he's could, just, you just you waving his hand up over and down. the line. I mean, could you? No, you couldn't. You could you could could get the you could go over the line. I mean you keep doing this with your hands and that, but I don't know (laughs) I don't (laughs) I can imagine in my mind what it was shaped like <laughs> david bunn of stafford says it's an aid for parting your hair <laughs> yeah i like that one
1: and uh, howard mosley of skello south yorkshire says it's something for firing ink pellets at your teacher a eh, readers what what Yaru, beano
0: <laughs> now can you picture how to either part your hair or fire ink pellets at anyone with this well, it was made of flexible rubber, so you could just. Oh, ping. so it was. So it was. Yeah. I forgot. I always think of it as hard plastic, like a like a badge, like a thick badge. Hey,
1: Dave. Hey. Remember, this is the year 2020. Uh-huh. What the f- is
0: an ink pellet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they must still have them, surely. Uh, wait, no. What is an ink pellet? you are thinking, thinking of an ink cartridge, cartridge. aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Ink
1: pellets, aren't they like little bits of paper or tissue soaked in ink that you would ping <laughs> off, that Dennis the Menace would ping off his ruler,
0: a Probably. teacher in school. I think that's a makeshift name for something that doesn't have a name, you know? Yeah, because the Beano exists in that timeless time. Even when we were young, it existed in a timeless
1: time whenever you used ink wells at yeah. school and stuff, you know. No, We, by that stage, had moved on to ink cartridges that yes, went yes, into removable re- phone pens really. when we
0: were learning how to do joined-up writing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you wait until they were finished, and then you... Just chewed the little, uh, the little disc off the back, can you? One time, I didn't wait. <laughs> Same!
1: It wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> Got a mouth full of ink. Same! All over the hands. Same! Went up to the teacher with the mouth clamped tight as you like, going, oh, I was messing around with an ink <laughs> cartridge, and, oh, go to the bathroom and clean yourself. And me... <laughs> desperately concerned that I was going to die oh. after shooting a load of ink into my mush. Sure, you know?
0: yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was uh, oddly tasty. No. <laughs> I found it oddly tasty. No.
1: Okay, we are getting very sidetracked with stories yeah. from school today.
0: Thanks, boomers. You're all seriously weird people, says Megadroid. Hope you like your t-shirts. Thanks also to the many other folk who sent in equally loony ideas. Here is just a selection of other uses for the STC belt <laughs> uh, Honestly, I'd dearly love to read some of the least winning entries, if that's what the best ones I know, were. if
1: these are the best ones, should we batter them out quickly? We'll do it, do it, do it. It's
0: a potato slicer. It's a loo roll cutter. It's
1: something to blow up a snares <laughs> with.
0: Pause. <laughs> that's a perfunctory one whichever uncredited kid or hume came up with that was concentrating more on what should be said in stc than what the object looks like fighting the console war on all fronts (laughs) it's an elastoplast remover it's something to pick your nose with it's something to clip on the spokes of your bike yeah it i wonder if that's what the design originally was for and then they just because because those were a ubiquitous giveaway oh, goodness, with cereal yes. and the like weren't they i had one that was the kellogg's rooster with a, a, a just a, a what do i mean here a circle of just reflective stuff that you put on bikes that stuff a reflector a reflector is that what they're called right <laughs> that's what we used to call them yes. back in the day
1: yeah yes, so that you could be safe
0: yeah and i had a tony the tiger one as well who
1: cares? I feel like what this guy's coming up with is that he's thinking of, um, remember how you could put a playing, your clothes playing yes. and a playing yes. card in your bike and it would... <laughs> <laughs> but like, remember spoky Dokies from Monster Munch? Um, they were just little clips that went onto your the spokes of your bike and they would slide up and down. Oh, as you those! Yes, I did yes. have those. All the wonderful things you could clip on your bike. Sormony. Sonic the Hedgehog, Casino Night, Part 2, written by The Dream Team, Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Ella Fell. Porker Lewis freaks out when Sonic tells him he has no plan to save them from the roller coaster currently rushing towards them, but the cool blue one is just messing with his buddy and quickly undoes the ropes binding them at super speed. Sonic battles the Marxio brothers in the heart of the Casino Night Zone in an effort to reclaim Porker's Disruptor, but when Grouchio just destroys the Disruptor, Sonic reveals he's only been buying time. Porker has reprogrammed the casino computers manually, causing games across the Zone to start paying out, and the hypnotic Robotnik statue that looms over the Zone to explode.
0: It's a bit of fun, this one, isn't it? It is a bit of fun, isn't it?
1: I mean, there are no fresh jokes about the Marxios or anything wonderful as they are.
0: (laughs) I just like something about the writing in this one. You know, you've got on page two, Sonic saying, Cool it, Porky, you're embarrassing me because he's scared. And Porky goes, Oh, oh, pardon me, Mr. Cool. (laughs) But it's not every day I'm splattered by a roller coaster car. And then a similar one on page four where uh, Sonic is running after the Marxios and he goes, you can't escape me, you clowns. And they go, well, oh, you can't blame us for trying.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a couple of good lines.
0: Actually, you know, that's
1: something we should point out is that this is really the first famous appearance of uh, of the comic actively flagging up the fact Sonic's a bit of a. T- <laughs> oh, Yeah. I suppose you're right, yeah. I feel like the extent to which the comic flagged it up gets overplayed sometimes oh, yeah. uh, in discussions about it, but there would be other mentions in future stories about Sonic's quote-unquote strange sense of humour.
0: Yeah, and but that's the thing. That's what it struck me as. You're, you're absolutely right, but when I was reading this for this, it didn't occur to me that that was what it was. I was just like, oh, cool, the dialogue's sparkling in this one because when you've got a character who's a bit of a... Tw- it means there's banter, it means there's conflict, and it means the dialogue is more interesting than like, oh no, we're trapped, don't worry, I'll save us, type stuff, you know? Yeah. And also, it's a really cool moment of characterisation. This I may be taking this too seriously, but I think it is, because Porker is like, you know, he's kind of in tears of fear, and yeah, yeah. you know, you've got the, the sweat drops going everywhere, tears going everywhere, but while still terrified and still sort of leaking at the eyes... That's when he's saying, "Oh, pardon me, Mister Cool." So he's got yeah. the wherewithal. He's to angry.
1: Him. It's a little bit of little bit yeah. of fear and anger. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we said it last time, but this two-parter was really the story to lock in who and what Porker Lewis was in the world of Sonic the Comic. He was the nervous
0: techie guy. So then, the the story takes a visual turn. Then, because you know, having escaped from that, they end up in this. This interesting sort of chrome underbelly place. Yeah, I don't love this, if I'm honest, Uh because this is where
1: Sonic was sent bouncing around last issue, as we were reminded. It's just the pinball tables from the Casino Night Zone. But um, I don't, for some reason, this issue, Richard's just rendered them all in the, yeah, in this blue and white chrome look, it's not very visually interesting to me it never was it always looked uh, wrong Uh. I never find it very interesting well
0: I do quite like it and the reason is that I did read it as being slightly different from the pinball table from last issue and I think I'm wrong to do that I would have to go back and check yeah
1: because there's a footnote that specifically says I was here last issue I'm back
0: here but last issue I think I just read it as like one of the ways down or wherever it was he ended up is is via these pinball tables. Whereas here I was reading it as a like, where all the stuff for the Casino Night Zone is generated, however it's made, it's made here and this is it before it's been painted. So it's all just made out of chrome and it's in storage. And of course, as you look up at them, because there's this big panel of Sonic looking up at the Marxios standing on these tall platforms and so on, it almost looks like the Special Zone. It's such a different space because there's well space there's like the the dark underside of the ceiling is punctuated with these little glimmers that look like stars all in that chromey blue color and um yeah to to me it was an interesting change of visual language from the first three pages No,
1: as as an environment sure it was purely just the colours that, that yeah, uh, never yeah. excited me. I mean, it's not like it was enough to uh, to give me a bad opinion of Richard Helson or anything, for God's sake.
0: But also, what I find really interesting is that um, as Sonic goes to attack them, they've grabbed weapons that are of a piece with this world. They're these chrome weapons. And look at them. They're what Johnny Lightfoot ends up with as his signature weapon later on. It's the sort of staff with a larger dumbbell-style bit on both ends, and that kind of chromy colour. Or a, a, a pugil stick, as
1: we knew they were is called. Is that in what the... they're called? Well, we knew they were called that in the 1990s because we all watched Gladiators. Oh,
0: did we? Right. Which is
1: where we learned the
0: words. Ah, uh, you see, I was going to say, like the sticks from Gladiators, I uh, didn't know they were called anything.
1: There you go, you see. I didn't absorb the name, though. But they're not because, and the oh. only way that they're not, is because they only have one fat dumbbell end, and not two.
0: Oh, and so does this podcast, because you're absolutely 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 right.
1: But Johnny would wind up, yeah, wielding two. And I think there's definitely some DNA here.
0: I mean, um, my thought was that uh, maybe this is just a Richard Elson weapon. Yeah, 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 maybe. Or else, hey, maybe they're, I mean, you know, yeah, gladiators. But maybe they were in something else that he would have been reading back then as well. Because mm-hmm. he never because dro- they never look any more like gladiators ones than this. They're always Oh, no, I mean, they just literally add a second thing yeah. to the other end when
1: Johnny has them. Otherwise, they are just, yeah, chrome tubes with, with like, techno greeblies on
0: them. That's it, yeah. Oh, they're covered in techno-greeblies. Yeah, just little shapes and lines and circles and things to to show that they're not just nothing. They probably do something. They're never shown to do it, but they probably do. It's quite a desirable weapon. As I'm looking at this, I'm thinking like, yeah, I could really hold my own with one of those. Johnny's could telescope, if you remember. Oh, yes. You could store it by pushing the
1: two ends together and it'd just have a small cylinder, but then it could... That's so, that's so cool! Fun. What a cool weapon! Yeah, that's cool, yeah. As a kid, I was like into ideas like that. Do you remember how um, the Splinter figure from the Teenage Mutant Turtles line had the, came with the cane and you could pull the end off and it was a sword inside?
0: Oh, well, no, I never had the toys, so I didn't know that. Wow,
1: cool. But I'll be honest, I can trace it back to Willy Fogg. <laughs> Fogg, I'm the one who made the bet, and I know we'll be exactly right on time. Dog is my name, I like to play with my life in many ways, that's what they say! Okay! who could have just destroyed you with only his cane.
0: (laughs) I've never thought of him as so much of a brawler. Perhaps I need to rewatch the series. No, I don't think of him as a brawler,
1: but there's a scene in Willy Fog and Uh
0: Christ knows how I remember it, (laughs)
1: but this is how it be on this show. He's got to go off somewhere on his own and someone asks him if he'll be alright and he says, as long as I have my cane, I shall be fine. (laughs) Because it's like he could do anything with that thing. And it was just a stick, man. (laughs) And I mean, is there not a more primal weapon In the hands of a child than a stick. For the stick is
0: anything. In the hands of a child. Is it a sword? Is it a stick? You can decide. At least one of those two things. It's one of those. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right. Uh, What else is going on in this issue? Um, Oh, I like the uh, I like the little animals as Richard has drawn them in this issue they're very much of a piece with the world of sonic you can really see how he's settling down into mm. the design of it now like we've seen him do a few other characters which aren't massively out of place or anything but but the more he draws them the more it all comes together and look at the robotnik face oh on this was the, the uh, next thing i was going to mention on the one behind yeah.
0: oh so i yeah what we're looking at here is after Sonic has defeated the Marxio brothers, or well, who's got out of the Chrome area anyway? While all that was happening, Porker was secretly reprogramming the computer so it's paying out for everyone. So he ends up back in this celebrating Casino Night Zone. Everyone's having a lovely time, and in the background, on those big, I mentioned last episode that the hmm. the, the roller coaster walls are where a lot of the backdrop from the Casino Night Zone is depicted as being. And there were these big Robotnik sort of badges, as it were, these big Robotnik faces, on. and now it's sad you can see a big sad robotic face i am a big fan of any and all instances where static faces such as on a t-shirt change their expressions (laughs) for one well-placed panel and uh, this is a good one yeah his mustache is drooping as well love it genuinely love it
1: I've always liked Porker, and yeah. obviously this story is the first time I think pretty much any reader would have any kind of feeling about Porker Lewis, uh-huh. but I do like how Porker comes out the real winner yeah. of this issue, if you know what I mean. You know, Sonic literally just stalls for time while fighting the Marxios, while Porker is the one who saves the day. And it's not just that he successfully programs it, like he gets the cool hero moment at the very end as well, where the Marxios are still, they're not, you know, even though all the machines are paying out, they're still up for a fight, and <laughs> Groucho <laughs> drops, you know, the, the line. Of course you realize this means war. <laughs> they start rolling their sleeves up and everything. And Sonic's like, Oh hold it, you yeah, haven't seen the best bit yet and then Porker just checks his watch and says, Oh yeah, that was, uh, three, two one, <laughs> And then uh, the Robotnik statue, which is the thing that is shooting the hypnotizing beams out of its eyes and mesmerizing everyone to make them compulsive gamblers, explodes and the head goes sailing off with the blacked out teeth in its mouth and everything.
0: Yes, and an eyeball flying. Yeah. Oh, both eyeballs, in fact, seem oh, yeah. to be flying out and uh, and it's leaving a big curly rocket trail in its wake. It's brilliant. And then they just, you
1: know, porker grabs Sonic Arm and they just, yeah. just speed off and they just leave the Marxios and it's like we don't have to fight you anymore. We beat we beat you. <laughs> the back of it was broken not by beating up the other guy, yeah. but by actually dismantling the core of the operation. Yeah. yeah? Confronting the systemic causes of crime. <laughs> the hypnotic statues that make crime happen.
0: <laughs> and uh, by the way, and I I know nothing about the marx brothers so i i was just interested to see if of course you realize this means war was their catchphrase before it was bugs bunnies and yes it was the interesting thing is it comes from one film where it's said several times but never by them oh and then after that they they it's always like it they say it as a kind of a callback to that but uh, yeah they, they only say it in like two films but it's kind of their catchphrase yeah i mean i
1: feel like bugs is probably the one that made it live an infamy
0: but I guess that was Bugs doing a pop culture reference. Uh, as he was wont to do. It's, it's as he was, yeah.
1: Next, Supersonic Returns. Ooh.
0: Hmm. <laughs> mm. No. Ah. No. Oh, that's a shame because at the time, tremendously excited.
1: Yeah, and then you read
0: it. <coughs> <laughs> I can't remember it, so I'm just gonna be tremendously excited, and I'll role play as me as a kid for the next two weeks, and we'll see what I find. Oh, okay. Refusal. <laughs> <laughs> Refusal. <laughs> okay so the review zone this issue it is a sonic the hedgehog 3 special we've got three unbroken pages of sonic Three. And we've both been keeping our eyes out for this encroaching game Ooh. as we've been reading the comic, and there's been surprisingly little of it. I thought.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I was really surprised to discover that the new zone feature that introduces us to Knuckles mm. is in this issue, yeah. as we will see in a couple of pages' time. We didn't, we weren't told at all about Knuckles before no. this very issue. No. I feel like I knew about Knuckles from other computer magazines. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he didn't come up. Uh, I mean, probably not a long time beforehand. No, because. The game is due to come out, like, less than three weeks after this comic is released. Oh, exciting, exciting, exciting. But that was... We've talked in the past about how things were different back then. You didn't know everything from the internet six months before it happened.
0: That's true, and there's another side to it as well, which is that in those days you also didn't get the game when it came out. Because oh, yeah, uh, unless funny. you were a uh, real Richie Moneybags, none of whom I am I think I knew, it was like... Because you'd either have to wait for a birthday or Christmas. Uh, well, actually, I suppose it's possible that Abby would have got it quite quick because her birthday's in February. So I can well imagine her going like, okay, I'll defer my birthday present for a couple of weeks in order uh, to get this. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Or
1: be the kind of cunning, upwardly mobile, planning ahead child who would agree to defer some of their Christmas oh until their birthday. Yeah, whatever. because
0: it was an expensive one, as I remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah in fact uh, not to jump to the end of the review but that is the sole grave in ah. the fast facts box it's expensive I didn't read the raves of
0: grave uh, 60 bucks oh yeah raves it everything and graves expensive. yeah you're right
1: well yeah this is a it's a very thorough uh, look is. at what makes up the game like it's not really a review you know it uh, it actually gives over individual paragraphs to talk about each of the six zones and describe their content and the bonus rounds and the shields and the special stages and the two-player game, and uh, it uh, presents the notion of offering an opinion about it, but it's just, it's just, you know, big up press feel about the descriptions of the features of the games. And, I mean, you you couldn't expect
0: anything else from from the official Sonic comic about Sonic 3. You couldn't, but with the benefit of hindsight, we know as well as that that if that was perfectly appropriate because it's flipping brilliant and there's nothing yes, bad to say about is, it <laughs> is great actually because
1: it gets 96
0: it gets it it deserves it it's a really real it's one of the best mega drive games i think do you remember i believe digitizer gave sonic 3 a rather poor review did it
1: well what a silly man
0: that biffo is
1: he'll never amount to anything I mean, I don't think Sonic 3 is as good as Sonic 2, Uh but Sonic 3 and
0: Knuckles, when you put them together. Oh, well, yeah. But the thrust of this is that, and and I do agree with this, I I don't know where I stand on the Sonic... Three versus two. I think I am more fond of Sonic three,
1: but I mean I do love the shields in Sonic three. I always I yeah. loved it
0: then and I loved it
1: now. I just love the idea of adding more that was as much as they should have ever added to Sonic yes. and then they should
0: have stopped. That's it. They hit the perfect amount yeah. of stuff. Like they,
1: they they let tails fly properly yeah. under your control and be able to pick up Sonic. I mean, that was the that was the apex. There yeah. was nowhere to go from there. Yeah. Anything else was just Was like weird
0: bolting on stuff.
1: I don't even want your homing attacks. What are those? No, oh
0: no, god. I mean, but that was always a patch for a problem with the visual system. That's exactly what I was about
1: to say. You couldn't play a Sonic 3D game without a homing attack, like, yeah. Um,
0: but the, the thrust of this review is basically imagine Sonic 2, but if it was just completely crammed with just a ludicrous amount of more stuff, and frankly yeah except yeah, it's yeah. not ludicrous it's just right it's just stuffed enough it's
1: perfect i tend to forget sometimes but the review reminded me again that, that sonic 3 had the uh had the battery backup you 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 sa- it saved your progress as you went
0: i always remember that what i forget is that sonic 2 didn't um, yeah, yeah
1: well yeah because i mean sonic 3 only has six acts that's it and i think most most people know but we'll just say it just to be safe is that there's um Sonic 3 was originally planned to be like twice the size that it is, but like as a bunch of, as a result of like various troubles in production, they basically had to ditch everything that they'd done and then start over again. So they only got half of it done and they brought that out and that's Sonic 3. And then the second half they, they reworked into Sonic and Knuckles. So Sonic 3 doesn't really need the battery backup. It doesn't, but Sonic and Knuckles, when you put them together to make the, that, really needs it because it's a long game. Yeah. But, you know, Sonic
0: 2 could really have done with that, to be honest. There's a lot of yeah. 10,
1: 10, 11 zones in
0: Sonic, and twelve
1: even maybe including the death egg.
0: Yeah, uh, something like Yeah, no, yeah, no, Sonic three is a is a comfortable play. Although um I think I would have always wiped out at the uh, at the launch base zone the first several times I played. Oh yeah, it. well
1: I mean he even makes the point here that the launch base zone, the real challenge of the launch base zone is getting through it in time.
0: Yeah, but on the subject of the battery backup, that's the one piece of sort of um, you know you forget sometimes that in among the spin they do give you like technical information sometimes it says here because sonic 3 is the biggest sonic game ever made and you you wonder whether they know at this stage that it's not quite going to be but the folks at sega have built in a special type of storage called f ram this is similar to the battery backup which is found in all sega games to date but it requires less power to save the same amount of information and uses a completely different principle well i looked it up haven't been able to find anything about the different principle but uh, so i don't know how it works but sure enough yeah it's still being unless something else is called f ram that seems to have all the same qualities it's still being held up as a very sort of you know power cost efficient form of flash memory um if that's the correct term you you
1: tend to forget that mega drive games had battery backup at all don't you really because so many of them just used it to save high scores oh god yeah of course they did yeah because it says here similar to the battery backup which is found in all sega games to date because yeah. they all the games were saving your high score but oh, yeah so few games back then saved your progress yeah only the big one i mean even
0: mario saved your progress uh, on the snares yeah and they had zelda by that t- well and in fact you know oh yeah nintendo had been doing yeah. saves since original zelda on the net exactly save. yeah
1: yeah as i say i got a mega drive mini for christmas it was just a reminder just flicking through the games of how many of them were pick up and play things where you weren't like expected to slowly progress the way that so many of the games on even just the snares mini to compare it to, Mm are designed to be incremental
0: progress games that save as you go well and that makes perfect sense because sega were arcade people yeah so they're used to the making the sort of game and and the sort of mindset of games where the point is to turn it on and see how far you can get and that's the point of the game and that was what the point of sonic one and two was and i'll tell you what game i can't get very far in why it's this game right over here on the next page (laughs) (laughs) ETERNAL CHAMPIONS, PART 1, written by Michael Cook, art by Brian Williamson, colours by Steve White, letters by Tom Frame. In the Tokyo offices of the Nakano Corporation, unscrupulous arms dealer Nakano takes delivery of smuggled government secrets that will allow him to develop cybernetic bio-key technology. The exchange is interrupted by Nakano's old enemy, ninja assassin Shadow Yamato, and her new allies, the Eternal Champions, nine warriors plucked from across time who have been charged with preventing the rise to power of the malevolent artificial intelligence, the Overlord, in the future. To that end, they must prevent the creation of Bio-Key technology, but as the champions fight his enforcers, Nakano escapes. It's a well-hard game, is Eternal Champions. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I may have said on previous
1: episodes, I may have made it sound like it was a bad game, but what I'm really rediscovering as I attempt to play it, and I want to underline bold Italic's attempt there, is that (laughs) it's just punishingly difficult. I can't see myself playing very much of it at all. It is... Utterly unforgettable. Well, I mean, it doesn't help that obviously the Mega Drive Mini only comes with a three-button joypad. Ah, and it's a six-button fighter. Oh. But like the, the special moves are really unintuitive, and um, it's a just a
0: really punishingly difficult game with a bastard of an AI that's basically cheating. <laughs> and do you find? other fighting games of this sort relatively normal to play like i'm
1: not a great player of fighting games anyway but back in the day i've beaten street fighter and mortal Kombat and marvel vs. capcom but but i'm not like i'm not like quote unquote good at fighting games or anything but eternal champions is this is um, different it's a whole other level instead which is it's fortunate then that i still have good memories of it because the comic strip turned out to be so good
0: Yeah, I've had a really good time reading this. Yeah. So this is by the writer and art team of Kid Chameleon. Yeah. And we like that. And we like this. We like that.
1: Now, I don't think that the art on this one is as... Not good. Good isn't the word. Suited, perhaps, to Eternal Champions. The stark neon palette is still at work, you know everybody's skin is highlighted in Uh white. You know, it's very harsh lit. Um, And uh, to my memory, I don't know when in the course of the story, but to my memory, John Howard from Shinobi would uh, take over the art duties on Eternal Champions. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I remember liking his work on the strip more. Um, not that, as I say, that it's bad, but um, it's just awkward sometimes and a little ugly. Um, I, I think that's it. there weren't a lot of people in Kid Chameleon. It was mostly big monsters and things. Yes. And he, he was able to add a sort of uh, suburban CITV kids' drama tone to the real world scenes. But this one, I mean, there's just something incredibly awkward about this first page panel of Shadow coming, crashing through the window.
0: Oh, you see, well, that's cool because I thought it was fine. To me, that just reads as like... Yeah, that's why I don't like I'm not usually into this sort of thing because of that. But this one because of its situation in a comic of other stuff. I found it, you know, good in a small dose, as it were. This is what I think X-Men looked like at the time. Oh, yeah, no, there's... Wrong, there's
1: da- no, 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 uh, back in the early 90s with the heavy detailing lines and um, yeah. rippling muscles and busting yeah. boobs everywhere. No, no, this was very informed by uh, superhero standards of the time.
0: And I've never enjoyed that at the time, but, you know, it read as a nostalgic piece. I quite like sure. it now. No, I mean,
1: because... I mean, I've made the joke before, but let's be pretty clear these characters are super fetishy. Like, Shadow more than anything. Like, Shadow is a notional ninja wearing (laughs) thigh-high leather boots, fishnets, and a bustier that she's absolutely spilling out of. I
0: mean, yeah, I I want to mention her opening line, which is the best, because you've got these corporate raider types in their office, you know, with their samurai helmet on a plinth and all that sort of decoration. Oh yeah, and
1: the statue of a dragon in behind him there and everything. Yeah,
0: all of that stuff in a giant techno-looking futuristic skyscraper and then... Well, it's
1: only 1994. It is actually dated to 94. We're not in the future Yeah, That's but- right.
0: But look at the skyscraper. It looks mm. like it's straight out of the future. Well, that's what Tokyo that's is. Tokyo. I mean, 1994 Tokyo. What a treat. Just like last issue I was hoping to see in Shinobi. Mm, yes! And this issue... Yes, yes. I'm well, going to get there, yeah, Shinobi. yeah. <laughs> but um, so the guy says, silence, I hear a noise. And the next panel, which is like the majority of the page... This woman comes crashing in doing a big ninja kicky pose, shouting in a big fat felt tip pen (laughs) that Tom Frame has grabbed. You hear the sound of justice! and shards of glass flying everywhere it's brilliant and that is just the whole strip essentially because the whole
1: rest of the strip is that the other Eternal Champions characters come smashing in through the skylight and then spend five pages fighting Nakano's enforcers while the caption boxes introduce them and they say um, pithy quotes that sum up their personalities (laughs) There's nine of them all together. So that's a yes. lot of characters. So they're, they're, there's a lot of work being done in this first part because yeah. this is not an origin story for the Eternal Champions. This no. this story, this six-part serial, is not an adaptation of the game. We will get the adaptation of the game, such as it is because it's only a fighting game, in the special, which tells the story of how this being... I mean, we do get... like The major beats are covered by the characters. They have been brought together plucked out of time by a being called the Eternal Champion in the future. The story of the game is that they all died before their time. Oh, really? Yes, that's the idea. The Eternal Champion has plucked them from the time stream a moment before their deaths. Like Shadow, oh. as a corporate ninja assassin, well, was pushed off the top of a roof. Uh, Larson <laughs> was a P.I. in the night. Larson Tyler, 1920s Chicago, Private Eye. He got a letter bomb from like a, a mob boss he turned stoolie against or something like that. Trident, genetically engineered man for from pre-flood Atlantis. Don't remember what happened to him, but uh, pro- probably probably Atlantis or something. Uh, Blade, 21st century bounty hunter. I remember a, a plague, a viral plague got him. Oh, cool. Or Xavier, the 17th century alchemist and warlock was burned at the stake. Oh. Yeah. So these guys all died and it was their deaths before their time that caused this terrible future that the eternal champion lived in to come to pass. And he plucked them oh. all out of time a moment before their deaths. And um, the game was he made them fight in a tournament and then the one who won would be sent back to their life. Oh, so the same plot as Cats then? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Now, this thing, the Overlord, that's not in the game, funnily enough. I did look this up. Yeah, it's in some novels or storybooks or something that were published as well. But it's not mentioned in the story of the game itself. Because the new idea that I presume these books also worked off of, that Sonic the comic works off of, is that... um, Instead of the winner being sent back to live out their life again, and everyone else is consigned to death, (laughs) um, they convince the champion that they are better together than fighting against one another. And uh, they form a team, the Eternal Champions, working together to prevent the terrible future that the
0: champion is trying to stop from coming to pass. Well, that's interesting, because this is Kintobor all over again, isn't it? You've got the official story, but it's only in like UK tie-in books. Well,
1: it's a little weird, right? Yeah. With Street Fighter, there is actually enough of a story behind the idea because it's like a, you know, it's like a, literally a street fighting tournament with yeah. the, the crime lords in charge of it and everything. And they made manga and stuff and, mm-hmm. and animated movies that that built a story around the idea of the tournament. But uh, this is just like literally like the Eternal Champion gets
0: nine blokes together and has them fight in his garage. <laughs> you
1: know, they had to come up with something to to bolt onto it.
0: None of that is presented here at all. We have heard show up first and then the bad guy go no lone killer will prevent me from developing the secrets of bio key so she goes well perhaps no single opponent but i no longer fight alone <laughs> boosh in comes the whole team they all get a single line of like joss whedon equipping each so that the panel can then come up saying who they are and chris who are they
1: well yeah so uh first we've
0: got Rax coswell 23rd century pro kickboxer i love how kickboxing in the future has yeah. robot limbs to really smash some heads in yeah he's from the future where cyborgs are <laughs> we get that nice little pocketed claremonty style
1: dialogue where we quickly establish that he's got a bit of a soft spot for a bit of a crush on shadow you know uh, and then we yeah. cut over to jonathan blade 21st century bounty hunter <laughs> can the sweet talk yeah this is time for fighting <laughs> then we sweep over to xavier 17th century alchemist and warlock who talks about how violence is the sanctuary of the brainless and the barbarian and the secret science of alchemy shall hold the key to the struggle but he tries to cast a spell and it doesn't seem to work so he just bonks that it on the head with his staff and says, <laughs> <laughs> jetta max 19th century revolutionary
0: 19th i miss. i assumed it was like 29th century chris which bit of the 19th century did revolutionaries dress like this in uh, she's a circus acrobat. Okay. What she is, is naked, apart from <laughs> yeah. a couple of, like, you know, wraps across, like, shoulder to breast and lower arm, and then a pair of spangly pants, and that's it. <laughs>
1: yeah. She, you think she would dress a little better for the missions, but yeah, she, she's. For the revolution. For the. Well, no, she she was a circus acrobat. I, I can't remember the story. Again, we'll get to it when we see that, when we get the specially spelled oh, right, out, probably. Right. But as I recall, she was a, a circus <laughs> acrobat who was undercover in the, in the Russian revolution. She's Russian. Ah. She's just a deep cover acrobat. Yeah, wearing one of them, yeah, spangly, swirly, ribbony wrap acrobat type outfits. Uh, but like I said, it's incredibly fantasy. Uh, yep. Uh, Larson Tyler, nineteen twenty, Chicago, private eye, who just wears some rather extreme bronze knuckles. Yeah. And then, and then like, you know, up to this point, they're like, you kind of The one sentence thing kind of is like, yeah, okay, I get it. But then I love, we, we just hit Mitchell Middleton Knight, alias Midnight, vampire, vampire. biochemist from the future
0: streets yep. of London. There's a vampire here as well. Oh boy, there was a jump there. <laughs> Man in hat, woman in pants, vampire.
1: Vampire, all rotting flesh and everything. And like uh, the blood from their opponents. Starts to awaken the hunger in him, you know. And yeah. We see it's you know again. Again, we're very quickly presented with the basic concept of the character.
0: He's a good vampire, though. I must control
1: it. He's a good vampire who fights against his hunger, you know. Trident genetically engineered man, from pre-flooded land. Always liked Trident back in the day. Yeah, just because he looked he looked cool he had a the... trident for a hand. Yeah,
0: he's the least human one. That's why. Yeah, there is no.
1: Fleshman, <laughs> and then uh, rounding the group out is Slash, prehistoric ape man from twenty five thousand BC, just mm-hmm. cave man with a club, and those are the eternal champions, and that's the strip. That's we it. just meet the characters, but I found it
0: effective. I think there was much to enjoy. Oh gosh, yes, it's a very tried and true formula. Yeah, it's a tried and true formula. <laughs> One thing I really liked is the panel layouts. This guy mm. knows how to throw a lot of panels always into an interesting arrangement on the yep, page. Yeah, there's
1: a lot going on in this and it, it manages to not feel too rushed. Mm. I, I, yeah, it's, it's all just action, so that, you know, that's a big ask is, a, is a, to interestingly stage a lot of action around this. And I, yeah, like you say, the panel layouts. Like I like, uh, for instance, this one here where Xavier swings the staff and knocks out the dude and he, like, he busts out of the panel borders. Yeah. But the, uh, the shape of the panel is like the opposite angle to the way he's swinging, so it yeah. it just heightens the way the thing is swinging.
0: Yeah, it gives you a sense that the whole panel has been like bashed out of alignment yeah, by like... the impact. Or this
1: one here on the fourth page where Larson punches the guy and his, his fist again comes out the panel yeah. border and then the, the, the panel next to it is just like a, a diagonal cut off bottom where his fist slides through yeah. it
0: and then there are panels that are vertical slices horizontal slices, there are panels that are like one vertical slice divided up into two but it works, they're thin there are borderless ones, there are ones with interesting borders, every possible trick available to him, mm. he's thrown scattered loads of little panels and big panels and exciting panels all over these pages and it makes the page. Pages feel enormous. It's such yeah. a good use of space. It reads so clearly. It's
1: a little chaotic sometimes.
0: A bit, but that's because it's an action scene. Like, if yeah. you go back to the first page, it's not. It's perfectly sensible. And then the more action is going on, the more sort of cluttered and whippy it becomes. And then... I just think it's really good. <laughs> it is good.
1: There's a lot of good stuff in it. He's telling a good story, no question at all. But it doesn't seem to fit this as well as it fitted Kid Chameleon because this is essentially supposed to be the real world where Kid Chameleon was an insane virtual landscape and the, uh, the chaos and the unreality of it was part of selling the premise of the story. Whereas uh, this one doesn't Feel as grounded as it possibly could. I mean, I do like, like for instance, you see how the the background of most of the panels is red as the fight rages, but then once the fight is over, the background panels cool back down to blues and purples again. There's a lot going on, and it manages to do it the best it possibly can, and still still remain like quite exciting. Communicate a lot of information in a very short space of time. Um, see, you're probably, to be honest, Dave, you're probably a better judge of this than I am, to be honest, because I remember as I've illustrated and talking about this, a bit more about the setup and the world of the Eternal Yeah, no, Champions. this is all
0: completely new to me. And
1: we have the advantage, even you and I right now, and it was true back then as well, of having the comic really push yes. the game on us in the issues running up to this. We learned a bit about who the characters were. We knew what the setup essentially was. So we have that knowledge going in. Even though... This technically isn't the first chapter in Sonic the Comic's story of the Eternal Champions because that will be the special, which won't be released for another month.
0: That's true, but I think it works this way round because basically what you've got here is a character fact file, Mm. but that's disguised as a comic.
1: Yes, yes, essentially.
0: It's almost like when we had the preview of the game a couple of issues ago and they were just saying who everyone was. It's just doing that again, but it contextualizes them, says, here they all are. Here's a thing they can each do. Here's the sort of way they would talk, the way they would act. And I came out the other end of this, what is it, six pages? Is it
1: five? Five. Five pages for nine characters. Like, that's impressive.
0: Yeah, and I came out of it feeling like I know exactly who they all are i struggle to do the same with things like x-men and like other superhero groups now i think part of that is because sometimes the designs of those characters are more about like what color hat and shoes has this guy got on <laughs> whereas this is like they're all very strongly archetypal
1: yes that's the video game influence coming in there uh, because they are so visually distinct from i mean them.
0: Ex- exactly they needed to communicate entirely through a sprite Everything that it was ever important to know about the character. So they were just like, make them different as you possibly can. And so that works in the in the comic's favour. And I just... Now I know who they are. And I know very clearly who they are. And I know what they're doing, roughly. I'm not so up on that, but I'll find out as it goes on. And I think it works to start there. And then essentially do a sort of um a sort of flashback yeah. but it's done by releasing the origin story as a separate piece a bit later I'm comfortable with that And it's like at least they did
1: have the decency to do that and not do like a a golden axe or a wonder boy or a shinobi type situation where you were just supposed to have played the game already
0: oh and wouldn't it have been lovely to have had specials for all of those where they do tell the origin story of the of the setup
1: yeah i'd have been into that all right
0: as a format i think that'd be a fantastic idea an ongoing comic series where it's just in media's res you just dropped in but if you want you can pick up the separate publication that has the origin story in and you can collect the set I'd, i'd be quite excited by that format i think i don't think anybody would ever choose to do a five-page strip that has
1: to carry the weight of introducing nine separate distinct characters all in one. Apparently they did. (laughs) Well, they didn't choose to do this. They had to do it. (laughs) Like They had to do an Eternal Champions story. But there are 20-page and more American comic books that you'd get published today that wouldn't manage to put a whole team of characters uh, of less than nine members together in the span of their first issue. And, I mean, it's just American comics don't tend to be as good at tight, short-form storytelling as British comics were because they didn't grow up with the the four-, five-, six-page comic strip limitation that British writers have grown up knowing.
0: But don't you think that they could have opted to do in stc the origin story and save themselves the bother
1: i mean they could have but i wouldn't be willing to bet it was part and parcel mm-hmm. you're gonna do a strip yeah first of all and you're gonna do a special all right yeah. all right and he yeah. was like all yeah. right sir yeah we're doing that okay yeah then <laughs> after that they probably made the decision it's like well
0: yeah well, what this little five-page intro has done is it's made me genuinely interested in reading that special. And Hooray! I've never been able to say that before, either at the time or even in the you know the days leading up to today, basically. <laughs> I've been like, oh, I've got to read that Eternal Champions thing. Uh. But now I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, that's good. Well, there you go, then. You couldn't say more than that, could you?
0: If only I had a physical copy. I know, right? No, you want that. New <laughs> Zone. Oh,
1: look who it is. Knuckles! It's our boy Knuckles! Yes! And
0: he's filling the page. It, of course, is that. Uh, What's his name? Greg Martin drawing, is it? Well, he's the guy who did a lot of the covers. Whether we drew this one or not, I don't know. But it's the it's the picture we were introduced to Knuckles with in the West. So he's you know yep. holding his fist up, and it's uh, oh slightly dodgily cut out. His fist sort of phases into his head a little bit there, but never mind. Uh,
1: yes, <laughs>
0: so yeah, no, this is the one that makes him look pink. Yes, because he looked pink in
1: the so game. So the game, yes. Dave and I will insist and tell you that's what yes. he looked like in the game. I don't he know was why pink. we decided he was red, but okay, moving on. Never, never mind.
0: Well, there's always been this assumption. That it was to do with palette swapping, but he always had red shoes while he was pink. Yep. They always, they always managed to do red and pink in the same. And that's the show. other thing
1: as well, because he's got the swapped shoe colours, isn't it? Oh, is the it? The finalised Knuckles model has the green cuffs and the yellow stripes.
0: Oh, see, I always used to just copy this picture, so this to me is what colour he is. Well,
1: that's the thing, because this is what colour he always was to you, is because this is what colour he always was in Sonic the Comic. Oh. When we see Knuckles appear in, gosh, still quite some time away, yeah. he will be pink for his first couple of issues because yeah, quite right. He, he, he was pink, but then they would change him to red within within a half dozen issues. But those yes. shoes always stayed the uh, the, the swapped colours because he was red in Sonic and Knuckles. So yes. He's the new kid on the block in Sonic the Hedgehog 3. He's an echidna, that's a spiny anteater to the zoologically challenged out there, and he's the guardian of the floating (laughs) island's
0: chaos emeralds. I like that it explains what the word echidna means, but not zoologically. We didn't, know. No, we didn't, no. (laughs) First time I'd ever heard of an echidna. I've described it in further detail elsewhere, or I'm going to in the future when it's finished, but uh, the big debate was uh, how you pronounce it, because we all thought it was echidna for the longest time.
1: (laughs) You know, I remember one time I did a drawing of knuckles and i wrote his name knuckles the i not in big letters over the top of it but it was just i wasn't trying to make it a logo or anything i just wrote it and my my d was a little too round and my dad (laughs) looked at it and he went knuckles the echiona
0: (laughs) (laughs) i always remember that Dads have a way of uh, homing in on what'll make you grumpiest in the moment about your (laughs) favourite franchises, don't they? I remember my dad looking at the Ninja Turtles and quipping, what's next, Adventure Penguins or something like that? And Yep, he was right. Adventure Penguins Penguins came out pretty soon (laughs) afterwards. Meet Knuckles. He eats ants and hedgehogs for breakfast. Well, I think it should be the other way around because you're introducing him as this brawler, semi-villainous character. I think it should be he eats hedgehogs and ants because he's an anteater for breakfast.
1: Yeah, but you want to start with the incongruous thing that's inherent to his nature and do. then put the punchline in the in-between bit.
0: No, I don't think you do. I think he eats ants should be the punchline. See, well, you're making it like, oh, no, yep. and
1: I'd be like, oh, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all about yeah, like the
1: cadence. <laughs> <laughs> don't try this at home, kids. EA plans to send nation's youth skitchin.
0: Yeah, Skitchin!
1: Skitchin! Yeah. This is a new game from, uh yay, for the Mega Drive. It's for the Mega Drive. This acts like it's not a real thing, this game. Skitchin is simply the act of riding a skateboard and grabbing onto the back end of a car or a truck.
0: Oh, that is a real... I mean, I understand people... It's a real thing, like, yeah. But, but was it
1: called, and is it called, Skitchin? I understood it to be called Skitchin ever since I first saw it in Back to the Future. Uh,
0: oh, well, there we go. So this is a game made to tie in with a the latest thing yeah. the kids are doing it's a portmanteau of skating and pitching indeed and um, so and when I was looking at the screenshot here so this is a game which is presented as it's, it's almost like a national health warning like nobody copy this game yeah um, right
1: I bet that was probably on the
0: first screen when you turned it on after the Sega logo Chris it is I had a look <laughs> it's the only game I can think of that starts with a warning not to do the things depicted all the ones with guns that's fine yeah um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, the picture that we have in this review is of um, a kid, uh, as you would imagine, holding on to the back of a car, liking Back to the Future. We're behind... It's, like, it's laid out like a racing game, but we're hanging on to this car. And so you think, well, what's the game? Are you controlling the car? What are you doing? I, I looked it up uh, by just looking at a-, a long play video on YouTube, and actually, it looks kind of cool to me. So it imagine a racing game, but where you are skaters on foot. Um, With a really high jump, and I didn't watch long enough to find out what the point of that is. I don't know if you ever jump onto cars or anything, that'd be cool. The animations are great. They look hand-drawn, but they move like live footage. So it's really cool. It's like rotoscoped or something. It's got quite a nail-biting sense of, of racing, the other Skitchers, because the premise is that you are trying to get from one city to the next or race through the city or whatever it is at a certain time, which of course means you just you know, beat everyone else across the track. But picture it. You're on foot on a road that has cars and vehicles. So they, by comparison, going faster than you, they give you this impression that you, oh, you can't possibly go faster enough so you have to try but then you grab onto them to gain ground and during all of this at the bottom of the screen don't know if you can see this there chris in the Hmm. the bottom of the screen there's like a little inset screen with like a blue horizon and a road on and that that's your rear view mirror showing you the view behind so you can see when other skaters are catching up with you so it's quite a nail biting sort of a race i was never much of a one for racing games to be honest no me neither but now what you know now that i've been indoctrinated, I suppose, by Mario Kart. I can see the... Even cart games. Oh, really? Yeah, and they've Um, never done much for me. Would you extend, and did you ever extend as far as Sonic R? I never had a Saturn, so
1: not back in the day, but when they did that Sonic Gems collection for the PS2 Ah. with Sonic CD, Sonic R, and Sonic the Fighters, I did get that. And uh, I played Sonic R to completion. I unlocked everything. I beat Sonic R properly. Well,
0: I sort of did in that uh, I had the PC version, and this was when I was... um, 18 and about to go off to university so my grandparents bought me a laptop with Mm. which to do that so that I could do my, you know, homework, my university work. Mm. And play Sonic. Hey, I jumped (laughs) the gun a bit and I started taking it into A-levels and we would all gather round on free periods and play Worms Armageddon and Sonic R. And between us, we did unlock everything, but a lot of it was done by my friends rather than just by me. Oh, that's alright though. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lovely time. We were beating each other's high scores and stuff. Brilliant. So that's kitchen. We've got laughing all the way. On a... I'm just going to read this because it's so interesting, in how sort of uninteresting it is. Readers, do you remember a few issues ago we had an advert for a, a certain kind of bank account? Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. It was the one where they had little screenshots of things like Monkey Island, yeah, but they were yeah, actually yeah. painted rather than taken from screenshots. Well, was that the same? I think that was the Midland Bank. Yeah. And and here we are again with more what must be paid for advertising mm. by Midland Bank, even though it's presented here as a standard news story. And there's the Midland Bank logo. logo just on the bottom, the yeah. Must be paid for. It says... You certainly can't accuse the folk at Midland Bank of being a bunch of money grabbing old fogies. <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. But anyway, they're now offering their young live cash account customers the chance of winning Sega Mega Drives, Mega CDs, discounts on Sega games, and even a free trip to Hollywood. The live cash account is aimed at customers aged eleven to eighteen years. Oh okay. That suddenly makes sense why they were advertising in this. I, yeah, I, I always thought
1: uh, Yeah, we could open it can be opened for as little as one pound so any yeah. any kid Which I think any bank account can can't it yeah well yeah but I mean they gotta tell you that because it's like a kid will think banks are where the money is and that's where I thought that money. yeah and it's like I don't have enough money to have a bank account but if you have a pound you could have a bank
0: account I did not realize that I, I was assuming that this was for like 17 18 year olds or something I was like what a weird place to advertise yeah, know. but um, not only do new customers have the opportunity to enter a national free prize draw but there's also a weekly chance to win a Mega Drive game or a radio cassette player a video recorder is up for grabs each month oh i just i miss all these things uh while holiday for four in hollywood is on offer every three months so this is just an advert for a kind of account at a bank that had prize draws
1: and it says also that for existing customers there is a contest to win mega drive mega cd and a tv during the first few months of the year. color
0: tv by the way i beg your pardon
1: yes they did have to specify that back in the day and vouchers (laughs) for discounts off all sorts of things like games and cds and cassettes and uh, cinema tickets as well pizzas it mentions there as well do you know what I want to really ask uh, is if any of our listeners did this because I know you (gasps) and I didn't we have established many times at this point that of all the things that this comic put in front of us that we could have done we never did a button one of them never once did we do any of them but I would like to know if anybody because this seems like something anybody really realistically could have done Yeah. so if you did please do write into speedlines at stctpodcast at gmail.com and let (laughs) us Let us know if you uh, yeah. if you signed up to Midland Bank. <laughs> oh, what about this last line though? Seems like at least one of the banks has been listening to what its young
0: customers want. Not sure why. Yeah. Quote marks around listening, never mind. I do know why. I know why. Oh, why? It's because they were the listening bank. Come and talk, talk to the Midland, come and talk. To the listening bank there you go you see that was their little slogan so they're listening to what young customer and if you don't know that it does look really sarcastic <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Okay, well, like, look at the opposite poles. <laughs>
0: no, it's the one after that. Yeah, It's the little editor
1: comment yes. in brackets. If only I hadn't just turned 18, says the Hume who thinks she's in charge. That would be Deborah Tate, the be assistant Deborah editor, Tate. leaving a little note there. I'm sure making a gag about her age. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, then the last article on the news Zone is to be honest, the one we probably really don't need to get into deeply. It's just telling <laughs> yeah. us Mortal Kombat 2 is coming into the arcades and yeah. it's just a list of all the characters. <laughs>
0: yeah. STC, how many fighters do you expect me to learn this issue? Come on. All right, uh, yeah, that's at least like 14 or yeah, something fighters. I was doing alright
1: up till now. Mortal Kombat had a comic um Around it. <laughs> 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 ah! Ooh, ah ooh. <laughs> 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 Splice that together. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Shinobi.
1: Shinobi. One, two, three. Oh. Shinobi, the Art of War, Part One by the returning creative team of writer Alan McKenzie and artist John Howard and letterer Ellie Deville. A disguised Joe Musashi stakes out the Neo-Z building in Tokyo where his lady-love Naoko is currently being held. Remembering the advice of his departed sensei and the teachings of Sun Tzu's The Art of War, Musashi knows that while a frontal assault on the building would be honourable, it would also be doomed to failure, and so he must employ the deception and cunning of the shinobi, hang gliding his way to the top of the building to infiltrate it from above. First thing jumps out
0: about this one, Mm -hmm. it's the second of the four strips set in Tokyo. Exactly, isn't it? What a treat. Brian Williamson and John Howard both taking us to modern day tokyo in one issue but the second thing that jumps out at me is that this was like not the
1: plan because this is dated to november 1993 oh which gosh. makes it seem like this shinobi serial was originally intended to huh. run in the third run of serials alongside the returning golden axe strip which started in november
0: 93. yes yeah, so what else started then that this would have been instead of it was uh, echo of the dolphin oh gosh that might tell us something to bolster our theory that the first couple of issues of Echo were done in a bit of a hurry. Yeah, you know, you could be right there. All right? yeah.
1: And it wasn't part of the plan originally, and they had to mm. they had to shoot them out quick. And Steve, Steve White would have been busy wrapping up Kid Chameleon yes. and uh, and wouldn't have been able to come over and do Echo until the third part. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe we're unraveling yeah. a mystery here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is another... I mean, it, it's, it's Shinobi again, isn't it? It follows it the same sort of pattern as the first one. Uh, heavy on the third-person narration from the narrator describing Musashi as he stakes out the neo building, disguised as a, a newspaper seller.
0: Yes, and heavy on the moody, grown-up, environment-y storytelling and it proves that that moody grown-up storytelling can be transplanted into a nakedly modern day setting
1: yes we we were discussing before weren't we that based on the first shinobi serial alone with no knowledge from the games Um, we weren't sure if shinobi was actually set in the here and now or in the past
0: yeah so that same sort of storytelling transplants nicely into a modern city is what i'm saying Mm. and it and it really does and maybe this is just because you know there was an eastern flavor to it but it kind of feels a little bit cyberpunk in places and i like that
1: uh it feels a little more adventurous with its panel layouts from the off Mm -hmm. in this too you know this
0: guy I've missed this guy and I'm, it, it's lovely to have him here. Hey, bottom left of the first page, the guy in the brown jacket, the big Sega logo. That's a really shenmue looking panel, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I never played
1: Shenmue.
0: <laughs> oh Well, they look like that. <laughs> While I'm there, I also like the uh, the bit in the next panel where I think it's meant to be a gust of wind, but it looks like the man's so surprised by the news that his hat just pops <laughs> off his head. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you see, they've set up the idea that there's a wind blowing, so yes. that we can uh, see him hang gliding. <laughs> yeah, oh,
0: yeah! It's such a good comic
1: yeah it's not the I, I'll be honest, it's not the best illustration of wind I've ever seen in a comic it it, it uh, clutters the panels a little at once like this this one of him on page two crossing the road. there's a little too much happening there that speed is not conveyed. I feel more like I'm looking at a static image than I am. do you know what? a man I, in motion running across a road, if you know what I mean?
0: I had a slightly different um response to that panel. I thought it was a really cool panel. I thought it did convey the speed of all the vehicles. Um, but it's only as you bring it up now that I even notice there's a man in the panel at all. So I guess yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What it is is that it's a it's a static panel of traffic shooting past at what is supposed to be full speed to the point that there's there's one guy leaning out of his car to wave his fist at this old man who's yeah. s- somehow still crossing the road despite this, and you you have to imagine he's ninjuring his way across, but also somehow looking like a doddering old man at the same time. I mean, you know, if but if that's,
1: like, the worst panel in the comic, and, I mean, it hey. basically is, you know,
0: that's what we're doing. Like, this
1: lovely third page. Oh,
0: the third page. So this
1: third page is specifically a flashback to Mount Hotaka uh, during Musashi's training with his sensei who we know from the previous serial that the newazid killed oh yes uh, basically he tells him that you know he Musashi has trained in the ways of Bushido and the sword archery the way of
0: the fist but um, men with guns will kill him <laughs> yeah it's such a good line because it is a little it, it's something that we have all thought about, isn't it? And yeah. here it is directly addressed. I've spent most of my life learning the arts of karate, kendo, and archery, yet any man with a gun can kill me without effort. To bring that up, like, I mean I know it's the second story, but, like, at the start of a story about a ninja guy, and have it addressed by this sensei who's like, ah, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, I, I, really I mean,
1: it. I did a little double-take whenever, I mean, he quotes the, I mean, the story is called The Art of War, and he quotes Sun Tzu's Art of War, although I, I'm, I'm not, not sure time. this is a real quote from the Art of War, but he says, when you know your enemy and choose your battlefield, the smaller force is always able to overcome the larger. And essentially he's like, uh, kick him in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> kick him in the back. Stab him in the back. Yeah. And, and, and Musashi's like, that is not the way of Bushido. And he's like, you think our mean? enemies will abide by the laws, Bushido? Yeah. And um, it, it's it's a little, it's amusing to hear like an old, I and mean, we were talking full on, you know, long, wispy, white mustache, yeah. beard, head of white hair, an old fool Paimei-type character uh, talk like this. But, of course, he's not a samurai. No. Musashi is a shinobi. He is a ninja. He is not an honorable warrior. He has learned the ways of Bushido, and he will be honorable as far as it permits. Yeah. But he, he will use the old ways of deception and cunning and and treachery to accomplish his goals. Yeah, it's really cool. If my memory serves, this is the format that the whole serial takes. We'll only find out as we go on because I don't remember it well enough. But that each five-page chapter has one of these one-page flashbacks. Oh, cool. And a different lesson from the art of war oh, informs cool. the events of each chapter. I think that's how it goes.
0: Now, readers, you're not unless you have been able to look at the page, you're not seeing the page. This flashback yes, page yes. looks nothing like the rest of the comic. Mm, please, yeah. so
1: the rest, all the other pages have either big, thick black borders mm-hmm. or the art goes out to the full edge of the page itself. But they have described this flashback page.
0: Well, so first of all, white background. Most of the page is bordered. It has this frame around it that kind of makes it look like you're looking through a window or a picture frame or something that separates it out from reality. Or a wall hanging or a scroll or something yeah yeah you can a, a
1: piece of art unto itself or something yeah
0: there are no panel borders in it there are separate pictures but the shape of them is simply defined by the shape of their contents and so for example the first one has this um he's on horseback doing some archery and the the way that the horse's hooves are clip-clopping into the ground that kind of like almost drives a furrow mm. into the page under which the next panel must make itself fit into that shape and it doesn't very nicely the whole inking stage is completely changed the backgrounds are just sort of uh, sketched out with just little cross hatching so yeah. for example the, the first panel it wouldn't look like much if it wasn't colored because you have these mountains in the background and the foreground is sort of green grass but there's no outline to any of that just bits of cross hatching here and there to show the shaded sides of those um the, the people are inked more or less as normal although in I think more yes I think the rest is inked in black inks and this is inked in coloured inks or subtly coloured inks it's just beautiful to look at it's like looking into something from a completely different time and world and as I say to my memory we'll get to see a lot more of it
1: then we return to reality and as Musashi does his uh, his hand gliding and did you notice he's been redesigned for this issue no yeah he's now wearing the uh, the red accented kit from Shinobi 3 Return of the Ninja Master <laughs> which had been out for quite a while it came out in the summer of 93, but then uh-huh. it wasn't out when STC started. Started, so. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right.
1: So this is just bringing things up to date and it's a cooler outfit too it's really cool I always like the uh, the headdress that's like burned I mean again because I didn't read the original Shinobi serial at the time but for whatever reason like the flowing scarves and the headdress I don't know what the proper term for the headdress is that uh, around his head are uh, like you know really part of iconically in my mind when I picture Shinobi Joe Musashi that's his getup not the tight face mask that he wears in the, yeah. uh, in the first serial
0: yes it gives it a bit more definition doesn't it instead of just being man shaped
1: uh, they do love a footnote? They do. <laughs> Sun Tzu said, never fight an enemy on his terms, always bring him to battle on yours. Sun Tzu was an ancient Chinese general who wrote Art of War, the definitive book on battle tactics. Megadroid.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad that they did say that. Because I mean, yeah,
1: you really genuinely, like I, like, I personally know as an adult, don't need to know that, but I'm pretty sure I hadn't heard of Art of War when I was 11.
0: No, exactly, and the thing is, these days, I would completely expect one of the big two Um, American superhero comics, to now and then drop a reference to the art of war and Sun Tzu and things. But I wouldn't expect them to explain it, and I find that arrogant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I
1: suppose you're not wrong. I mean, but do you feel like the footnote above that um, to tell us that Pin... Stands for personal identification number. Do you find that one necessary?
0: Um, not today, but I we we didn't
1: have chip and pin back then. Oh, I suppose that would have been cutting right. edge okay. technology. And I guess we did also need the one on the last page to tell us that Harage is a ninja's radar-like ability.
0: We knew that from the first serial, but then I didn't. Did we? So. Did they say it in the first one? Yeah, it was in the first one. I remember. Oh, okay. Well, uh, there's another one before that, which is, and I and I just love the fact that they all have to be signed by this fictitious robot because <laughs> yeah, then you get yeah. things like this. Bushido is the ancient code of honor governing all combat between samurai made robot. right in the middle <laughs> of the lovely painterly <laughs> yes. wall scroll page it's like
1: oh i wonder how many more of like that, that's a ratio of four footnotes to five pages like yeah it, i always say stc loved a footnote <laughs> but that is a high
0: ratio of footnotes that's the one to beat i'm gonna write that one down <laughs> somewhere keep a tally of that as for Harrogate, i did want to Know exactly how shall we say nineteen ninety four it is to say that ninjas have a radar. So I looked up the term. um It is a martial arts term with a definition that isn't you know too different. So it does come from the spiritual mm. side of martial arts.
1: I, I feel that the radar like is just the a way of explaining for it to kids. kids distillation. Yes. Yeah. What I didn't
0: know though, and what I'd never heard before, and found a bit more interesting is that it also has a definition outside of martial arts in normal life. Oh, um, there it seems to refer to well, I suppose a way to put it would be implication when in either conversation or diplomacy when what you're communicating is not what you actually said but is expected to be understood by oh, the yeah. subtext of what you're saying and apparently it leads to a lot of frustration when trying to talk to americans <laughs> 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 and uh, this may explain a lot of dodgy anime dialogue i've encountered in my time where i'm like well why aren't you saying the thing and what's all this you know shifty side-eyeing about that, that could be that could be very culturally important over in japan well i mean it's also a very
1: uh plausible deniability isn't it <laughs> when used for nefarious purposes it's plausible deniability well exactly
0: uh, when i was trying to think of like what i want you to take care of them exactly when i when i was trying to think of like what's a western equivalent i only came up with stuff mobsters say like you mobster know mobster stuff yeah
1: i want you to Take them out for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Show Show 'em a good time. Yeah. Take Take 'em down to the yeah. waterfront. Nice little uh, yeah.
0: store you got here. Shame if something, something would've happened happen to it. To it. <laughs> 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 so yeah, so
1: that's Harrogay. <laughs> yeah. It no this it's it's kind of an odd ending, this one. It doesn't really It doesn't end so much as it just stops as he lands on the roof of the building and uh, starts climbing down it with the narration reminding us this is one time he will use his enemy's own weapons against him.
0: And remember that in the first uh, story, it was, you know, the the whole first story was him just going downstairs, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: that's what struck me. I realise now that I genuinely don't remember a lot of how the story of this one goes. Oh. So I don't know what to expect now. I, I enjoyed the first Shinobi serial a lot and I liked the way that it was able to have that sort of video game-like structure where each serial chapter would be a different floor of the pagoda yeah. as he came down through it, allowing it to be like a serial with very distinct parts instead of just one story broken up into six bits or whatever. Not that that I think any Sonic one has really been as clumsily done as that or anything. But but Shinobi did it very well, where each chapter had a very clear delineation. But I do hope that we're not about to just read another story where he fights his way down through a building. But we'll see how it goes. Fingers crossed. Like I don't think we are i'm a little worried we are now because i don't want to (laughs) i don't i don't want to think badly of shinobi after enjoying it so much to find out it only had the one idea
0: but we'll see we'll see we'll see uh then it's probably all in the presentation i think these i think this team can pull off the same idea again you're probably right there we'll see how they do it
1: do you sincerely want to be thrilled to do
0: i mean not really
1: oh okay then you won't want to know about the all new strips and great free gifts in 2080
0: oh god no prog
1: 874 giant rogue trooper poster (laughs) prog 873 five stunning new stories
0: and a free badge doing anything for you I don't think this is our first 2080 advert, but I think it's our first full page, right? Yeah, we had a few
1: half pagers but this is a. That was such an odd first line. Do you sincerely want to be thrilled? <laughs> do yeah. you want to be sincerely thrilled? Maybe. Uh, yeah, do yeah. You, do you sincerely it, want to be thrilled? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it's like they're going. Do you really now think about it? Now think. Yeah, do you it's want like I
1: want to be thrilled do you sincerely want to be thrilled? Yeah. Are and you it's sure? Like, I want to be thrilled. But do you want to be sincerely thrilled? It's different. It's all in the presentation. Only 70p for, yeah. for 2000 AD back then. Gosh, that's 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 amazing. 70p for
0: 2000 AD, which is like a pumped up STC.
1: Mostly black and white,
0: though. Oh, uh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's
1: how they did it. Yeah. Probably used a different stock of paper back then, too. Oh. Never forget stc was a pretty deluxe piece of kit (laughs)
0: yeah yeah i know i said earlier that like the artwork made the pages feel big but they are they're huge this is an enormous comic i mean and i can't remember this now imagine how big it must have felt to an 11 year old who is physically smaller like it's huge it's a 36 page full color bigger
1: than a four size comic Never forget that even back then, I mean, we couldn't sell black and white to kids in, in these <laughs> days, but this was a deluxe piece of kit. They shelled out to make STC as good as it was, and then that's why we paid 110 for it, and you only had to pay 70p for 2080
0: Hey, we shelled out too. And we and... were happy to pay it. <laughs> a pill both ways in the snow. To the news agents.
1: zone
0: Cue-zo- zone
1: it's a Street Fighter 2 special in the Q-Zone, so not an awful lot to say, to be honest, because it's just a moves list for Chun-Li, Balrog, Sagat, M-Bison, Vega, and Kang. That's
0: right. It just tells you all of their moves. All of their moves. If you've had difficulty working out the various moves for your favourite characters in Street Fighter 2, then take a look at the list below. To help all boomers who received this as a Christmas present, sensible, good timing, yep. and want to win at the best beat up ever, here is the complete list of moves.
1: <laughs> I think you'll find <laughs> Eternal Champions is the best beat up ever. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, hey, surprisingly off-book for that coming. Yeah, Dave Gibbon going off-script on that one. I've got three things to say about that line. Go on. Number one, jokes aside, it actually still is, isn't it? Yeah. Has anything defeated it as the best beat-em-up ever? No. But I was trying to think, this
1: is Street Fighter 2 would we have had turbo by this stage and of course there's the new challengers which adds like cammy and dj and t-hawk and the other one whose name i'm not
0: remembering okay but we're still looking at street fighter 2 if we lump all those into street fighter 2
1: yes they are all just iterations of street fighter 2 and as somebody who was never a particularly huge fan of street fighter back in the day and who even still isn't now i mean i mean
0: it's fundamentally the best beat-em-up there is isn't it it is Yeah, I'm not into beat-em-up games at all. Right, Well, and this brings me to number two. Yeah, I thought we used to call these games beat-em-ups, but these days you get told off for that. Do you? Yeah, the current pedantry has it that beat-em-up is the word for, like, side-scrolling brawlers, isn't it? Like Streets of Rage. Oh, I would to call that a side-scrolling brawler. That's what I would call it. Well, what do you call a a one-on-one fighter? I I think you just call it a fighter. Um, I think beat-em-up is the word for, like, streets of... Well, not streets of rage, because they're American, so it's always River City flipping ransom, isn't it? But, God, American game nostalgia is tedious. He's not wrong, boomers. And the third thing I wanted to say is... uh, Just kidding. I quite like the look of River City ransom. (laughs) 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 But, um isn't that maybe that's not right but i'm sure i've been told off for trying to call them beat em ups you certainly get uh told off for you have to get what shoot em up is right as well that's a particular. Mm, okay now well. well, what's a shoot em up then i can't remember i think it might be the things that are also described as bullet hell you know the uh, the upward scrolling ones maybe oh or upward maybe scrollers. it's the sideways well, I mean, I scrolling have thought side scrollers for shoot em ups see this is the thing i think that back in the day it was a bit looser yeah i am yeah i think you were allowed to say that anything where you punch is a beat em up and anything where you shoot is a Shoot up.
1: Well, you're not wrong, but certainly, like I always knew, beat 'em up specifically meant a one-on-one, right? Best of three tournament fighter.
0: Well, I thought so. So perhaps I'm wrong, and it is
1: that. And Streets of Rage are a game like that. Would you would specifically add a scrolling to that yeah.
0: because that was the distinguishing feature. It was the scrolling. Well, I've googled beat 'em up, and all the games I'm seeing look like Streets of Rages to me. Oh, except for one or two. <laughs> oh well. Whoever claimed that this show. was for modern people (laughs) (laughs) the there's a couple of things that that i spotted on because this really is just two pages of telling you moves i'll give you a random example fireball a very effective move to really damage your opponent's energy great for a counter-attack on ken or ryu's fireball a a plus down 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 plus towards towards and punch Oh, that's Chun-Li's Fireball. That, yeah, that's Chun-Li's. They're separated into a character. That's what yeah. the whole couple of pages are. Um, the only two things that stand out for me is uh, under M. Bison, uh, where it says number four, uh, belly flop, Uh, When I was opening the page just now, my eyes fell on that because I thought it said Betty Plop. And I thought, oh, (laughs) I haven't heard of her. I want to play as Betty Plop. But no, it's Belly Flop. Your use of the word fireball actually stands out to
1: me because that's what it says under can section as well. Because that's what we knew it was back in the day. You had none of this hado can and you can. No, no. It was all fireballs
0: and dragon kicks and stuff. Dragon punches, rather, sorry. We could do the impression of what he shouted when he yeah, did it. Yeah. Hello, Ken. As evidenced by the fact that the fireball, fire punch, I think it was called, in Worms, had the little worm shout, Ah, ya, Ken. But um, no, we didn't actually call it that. Tales. Tales. The Land Beyond, Part 2. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Dave Windert, colours by John Burns, and letters by Elita Fell. After Errol fends off Trog's minions, Tails confesses that he's not the hero of Mobius everyone thinks he is. Errol realises he must tell the Enchanter Kings, but first they have a mission to complete. Venturing into an underground labyrinth, the pair are set upon by a monster and fall off a cliff while trying to escape it. But, fortunately, Tails' ability to fly saves them both from going splat. In a cave full of skeletons, they find the missing enchanter king, Shirob strung up as a sacrifice, but as they set to work freeing him, the creature to which he is being sacrificed starts to emerge from the shadows behind them. Mm. What to say about Tails?
1: It's not bad or anything, but I do struggle to to come up with stuff to say about it.
0: I like the pure sass between Tails and the hero guy. You've got, on page one, go take your time hero
1: he's copped on very quickly and then
0: um, on page two errol's just been kicking off about how it, oh, i've studied maps of these tunnels quickly this way and suddenly a big monster immediately jumps out and tails goes oh what's the matter errol wasn't he on your map yeah that nigel Kitching
1: sass I love this bit on the next page then where the monster chases them down the hallway and Aral thinks he knows the ways around but they wind up running off the edge of a cliff and as they fall like the monster <laughs> which within is just some kind of creature it's like a little lizardy skittery thing and I feel like you'd see this a, a more and more as time went on it's a bit decap isn't it he uh, he peeks over the edge of the cliff and goes boy this is the best job I ever had
0: and he's never he hasn't <laughs> spoken at, at all yeah. until then he, uh, what it reminded me of was uh, a Mark Miller-Badnick yeah that's yeah there's something to it it's the
1: flintstones dishwasher effect yeah. isn't it the uh, it is. the appliances just commenting on their
0: jobs it's a living and that's it they run through these caves they find the king strung up and, and a monster starts to attack and what more can we expect of a four page Story, that's all Tails ever gets. Four yeah, it manages pages. just to accomplish a fair bit.
1: Although, yeah. um, generally speaking, it's all pretty good um, in the back three. But this first page fe- always felt a little off to me. You know? Oh, know, really? There's something about the staging of it. Like, we get the intro page where the fight starts. Errol mm. smashes the weapon of one of the attackers. As I presume that's a weapon. It's hard to tell. <laughs> then, in the third panel, it's Tails flying just up above the reach of one of the creatures. And it's calling up, come down and fight. And then we jump from that to the monsters running away because Errol's too tough for them. It's like, it's kind of dodgy staging, you know? The panel before they run away should be a panel showing something happening that should incite them to run away, not the page of, of tales hovering out of reach.
0: That's right. It confused me because what the last thing that happens before that is a monster goes, come down and fight, coward! Run away! And then it's run away it's a, from the monsters. Real
1: yeah, it's, it's poorly staged, that one. There's a beat missing, essentially. Just I was
0: like honestly that. expecting it to be one of those things where it turns out there's a bigger monster standing behind them, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's it, really? That's Tails? Yeah,
1: there's not really a lot. You know, uh, Errol says he's going to have to tell him. And then, you know, when Tails saves him from uh, dying, <laughs> falling to his death you know tales wonders of maybe does that mean you won't tell on me and he says well i don't want to but it's my duty and uh, i'm pretty sure he doesn't by the end of it don't quite remember how it all shakes out but that, uh,
0: that seems to me how the story arc is going to go yes yes
1: it's fine but there's not a lot going on in this one
0: no that's it that's what happens it's i mean it's it's four pages what could we possibly say how much did we say about decapitate though <laughs> well yeah we just read all the jokes in that
1: how much scorn did we heap up on wonder boy in four pages
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so we can be well well then so that means that one that's absolutely sublime from line to line we've got a lot to say about one that we kind of didn't like there's a lot to say here it's just a- it just functions it's perfectly good you just read it you've got a little adventure story that's what tales is up to that's that it could be more it could be less <laughs> David Alexander has a friend whose dad works for Sega. (laughs) He says, Death of a hedgehog. Dear STC, I have a query. I was talking to one of my friends who mentioned that he had read that Sonic would die in Sonic the Hedgehog 4. What a wonderful little snapshot that is. What a great little playground (laughs) rumour. Of of course, there was and in some way has not been a Sonic the Hedgehog 4. In some ways, I have, but back to that in a minute. Naturally, I refuse to believe him. But I'm now starting to wonder if this is true. If it is, who would replace him? Who could? Tails, perhaps? (laughs) That's David Alexander from Ivy Bridge in Devon. Poor David. Poor little easily misled David. I love the idea of a kid taking that seriously. Like, oh no... What Sonic died die?
1: Megadroid uh, replies, a typical human case of mistaken identity since Sonic 3 is only just about to come out and therefore Sonic 4 is a, a long way off. Accurate. I mean, yes, but <laughs> at the time, technically, it could have been within a year that it yeah, would have been <laughs> released. But... We
0: thought it would be, you know, 1996 at the absolute latest, yeah. but like... I'd suggest that
1: any reports of Sonic popping his sneakers are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> You're I like this one over here Face the Facts um, uh-huh. Nicholas Clark from Lark Hill Strathclyde wants to know why they don't do a fact file about Sonic and the other characters and Megadroid says they're working on a Badnik mm. database but that would
0: never happen Yes it would, it turns up in the Sonic Summer special now well to what extent do we mean database because in the sonic summer special there was just a page of like pictures of them all and their names if you want more of a fact file with information yeah didn't they start releasing attached to the front of the comic as a free gift like cards
1: or something the Badnik spotter cards yes Yes, they did do those i wonder if that's what it was Liz Keeley, Belpa, Derbyshire, big fan of Decap Attack, and uh, she's a mum. Yeah, oh, I love this. Yes, sends in a letter to say that uh, we get STC every fortnight and enjoy it very much. A particular favourite was Decap Attack. I would like to add that it has played an important part in encouraging my son to read for himself. That's nice. Love
0: that's this. Like More mums write in. I like it. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I really, I really like that. <laughs> if there are any
1: mums listening, no, that's not too likely, is it? Is there any mums of STC readers. <laughs> no glad to be of help this says megadroid keep an eye on your son though reading decapitat can be hazardous to anyone's help <laughs>
0: <laughs> still keeping that line up yeah no. william pedley of abingdon oxfordshire says dear stc why did you increase the price of stc now some people might write in to complain about this and be written off as a whinger but he has a good point here Surely you make... Well, not here.
1: Surely you no, make... No, I was going to say, not, not here! In a no, minute, not, in a minute. Yeah.
0: Surely you make loads of money every day anyway. So what's the point? Is it just so you can get a jag and a massive house, which you've probably got already? <laughs> I don't know who he thinks this is. Some <laughs> yeah, kind of know, superstar right? editor. Because he doesn't say Dear Megadroid. He's saying STC. STC is a good comic that was at a good price. However, and this is where his good point comes in. As my pocket money is only £2 a week, I now can't afford it, and I'm sure this goes for lots of other readers as well. And of course it's not two pounds, but we're allowing him wriggle room, he needs to buy something mm. else with his pocket money. Well, well. No,
1: well the 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 simple fact is mm. that and this is as true today yep. as it was then, that going from ninety-five P to one pound yep. ten was the difference between breaking a pound coin mm-hmm. and breaking two pound coins. Yep. And a pound coin when you were eleven oh. in nineteen ninety-four? <laughs> The world was your oyster when you had a
0: pound coin. Anyone younger than us cannot understand the sheer glee of finding a pound pound
1: did you ever find a pound coin Dave?
0: once (laughs) me too i know exactly where it was and everything please go on it was on the green in my village where i lived and it was just there in the grass and it was gleaming and beautiful on the road outside my school (laughs) so yeah so in both cases because by the way my village green that was of course you know that's where the bus stopped so in, in both cases we're probably looking at sort of some poor kid has dropped that pound but the thing is, what are you going to do? Take it to them? No? You can't be a good Samaritan about this. That's your pound. You can't. You can't. No. Yeah. It's like if you found a £20 note now or something. The inflation doesn't go the same, but that's the feeling. (laughs) I think... Probably a fiver. <laughs> no, because right? if you found a fiver today...
1: Listen, I'd
0: be happy if I found a pound today still. <laughs> I mean, so would I, but I mean, what can you buy for a fiver today? You need something that not only can you buy something for, because in those days you could buy something for 70p, mm, 2008 <laughs> You need it to be above that. You need it to be like above and beyond what you require for a simple purchase. <laughs> a pound was a big deal. These days, they're just for putting in trolleys. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
1: Uh, I do like that Megadroid gives a very a very straight answer. It doesn't make a joke out of it. Of minute. Uh-huh. the reasons were explained. Mm-hmm. We can't control the the rising prices of raw materials. Raw materials, yeah. I I would imagine there's probably been a bunch of letters asking yeah. about the price rise, and it's like better address this again.
0: What's what's happened there? Sadly, um, and you can you know you can see why they would make this error because it's just happening, but. William Pedley's parents are not keeping up with inflation and reflecting that in the uh, in the pocket money. Gosh, wouldn't it be a
1: terrible shame if uh, if that was how it worked for adult wages?
0: Was that a bit of uh,
1: haragay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've just done there. I don't know what you mean. You might think that, <laughs> but I couldn't possibly comment
0: couple of bits of fan art firstly we have lee chapman of melton mowbray leicestershire uh who's just sent in a nice drawing of tales just a good drawing of tales can you explain megadroids note on this to me though let's see oh yes i can lee takes a break from the soccer field to practice some other strokes uh, was there a famous there Dribble is player, indeed the i googled it there is that's all i can tell you about him i, I, I at least you had to google it oh uh, well <laughs> i but would um, have been very let down to be honest if you'd known that <laughs> and then the last piece of it's not exactly fan art because it's a photograph mm. uh, it's called sonic goes to legoland but that's a bit misleading it's from sarah player in Saffron Walden, essex who is playing with lego uh today because what she's done is she's built a lego sonic um, and just some other Lego gubbins, just walls and stuff. Um, I'm trying to see if they look loopy, but I but they don't. They're just
1: no. I don't think there were Sonic-themed pieces she's built there. But
0: um, Sonic is made out of Lego, very very tall. She just kept building, but <laughs> she's somehow, and I and I I'm not very. I've never been very good with Lego, so I don't know how this is done. She's managed to attach, maybe even with blue tack, uh, two sort of blue sticks coming off his head at slightly different angles to represent the spines. Very good effort, uh, Sarah Player. And it, it puts me in mind of, of another Sonic LEGO thing I've seen. That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about this on a, a very early episode oh, of did the we? podcast. Uh, but it is worth mentioning, again now that you mention it while, while we see it here, is that um, you really want to take yourselves over to um, the LEGO Ideas website, guys. That's the what would you call it, crowdsourced LEGO projects where um, fans create their own LEGO ideas, submit them to the official website, and if they can get 10,000 uh, backing votes from viewers who would support them if they were really made to be sold, they'll they'll be made and sold. Things like, uh, I mean, what have there been in the past? Uh, Back to the Future, the Flintstones, the Big Bang Theory, WALL-E, these have all been made through... Um, through LEGO ideas. And there is a Sonic one at the minute, created by young boomer Viv uh, at Toaster Girl on Twitter, friend of the show. Um, and uh, it's really good. It's based on Sonic Mania, and I really want to see it get made. Mm. And it's almost at 8,000 supporting votes now, so. Get there and and vote for goodness' sake, we'll put the link in the show notes, Dave. Do that okay, so yeah, please do go and support that because it's tremendous looking and I really wanted to see it happen, and it's it's received pretty steady support in the length of time it's been up there, and yeah, make that happen, do it,
0: do it, <laughs> do it. And at about this time on Sonic the Comic, the podcast, we like to rummage around in our own mailbag, the mailbag labelled stctpodcast at gmail.com. That's right, Speedlines is open to you, listeners, and uh, this fortnight we have a letter from little Seb Patrick, a previous guest on the podcast and our football correspondent. (laughs) He is too. (laughs) He is. Seb says... Hello, Humes who think you're in charge. In answer to the question posed on a recent episode about British comics taking the format of a magazine rather than just being comic strips all the way through, Mm. it's no surprise that an area of the industry you weren't aware of was the sports and football comics you shunned so heavily in your own youths accurately and correctly <laughs> <laughs> in particular titles like Roy of the Rovers Scorcher and Tiger were effectively comics magazines rather than comics in fact the editorial sections in the Roy of the Rovers always liked to call it a paper and although the bulk of them page count was comic strips they did also include plenty of feature material most commonly it would be things like profiles on players but Roy of the Rovers for a long time also included a section called the Talkin', which was basically a chance for the editors in the voice of Roy to have their say on topical matters relating to football and you'd get quizzes and letters pages and all that kind of thing as well. Maybe not exactly the same as STC in terms of being up to the minute or sometimes slightly behind the minute news material but they very much give you time capsule snapshots of football at the time as well as the comic strips themselves. I don't know if the makers of STC were directly inspired by this kind of mag but they definitely seem to both come out of the same kind of tradition. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. No wonder we wouldn't have known about
1: them but it's rooted in the same thing, isn't it? It's essentially, it's it's a magazine or a comic that's a, about a subject yeah, instead of just being like about a character specifically it's a, that was a football magazine this is a video game magazine things that also existed in magazine like you have superhero comics but you don't have superhero magazines but you do have yeah. video game magazines and football magazines and these magazines were an attempt these comics were an attempt to marry the two things together two formats
0: yeah and doesn't it make a hell of a lot of sense, that actually, that something like Sonic the Comic would have been done previously about sports? That that does make sense, that no, sports video games... No, I mean, that doesn't games... make any
1: sense to me, that anybody would make sports comics, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Sam. That's very helpful. It's very interesting, actually. I never thought about it, it makes an awful lot of sense when you put it like that. That's right, yeah. No. once again, the um, subscription coupon is where the next issue thing should be. So we got to flip back to um, the center of the comic, mm. just after the news zone, this yeah. issue to get where our next is coming from. It's a big old drawing of Shinobi into the enemy citadel.
0: Sonic, Jaws of the Lavasaurus. Yeah, not spelled very well either. No. Lavasaurus would... Lava? That bit's fine. And then S-A-U-R-O-U-S. No. Eternal Champions, Attack on the Weapons Complex. Tails
1: in trouble again. All this and more in Sonic the Comic, number 20, on sale Saturday, the 19th of February, for pound you have
0: to break your second-pound coin there. William Padley. Yeah, sorry, William. <laughs>
1: yeah these issues wherever we get the start of new serials are always exciting mm, ones too.
0: yeah but there is some
1: tremendously exciting stuff around the corner yes this run of six issues as is we have two great ones in Eternal Champions and Shinobi this is going to take us through to the beginning of some of the most dramatic yes. Sonic stuff yet seen in the book oh
0: stick with us boomers
1: we have kicked off the beginning of course last issue in this one of the step that's going to take us to what I call level three of Sonic <laughs> the comic you know we are right now we we are on the cusp of entering
0: Mm. level three. We're just, we've got our toes on the edge and we're wheeling our arms around in alarm as we teeter (laughs) over it. And if you
1: want to join us on our journey to level three for issue 20, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, where if you do find it there, please do leave us a review. Yes, please do. moving up in the charts. Or you can find it online at stctp.wigglehe.com
0: where you can like it on Facebook and Twitter. The address is my fault. (laughs) (laughs) And you can like it on Twitter at Sonic Podcast. That's our show Twitter but we also have individual ones I'm at Demon Tomato Dave and I am at Chris McFeely and you can find us
1: both on YouTube under our names as well where I do a series called Transformers The Basics and Dave
0: just sort of noodles about but uh, the, the other thing you should look for from me is my other podcast Serious Disney, to be found wherever good video cassettes are sold and that is my animation podcast that I make with Jahan Rannasing and if you like this you'll probably like that and at this stage I think we can say there'll be some kind of crossover episode coming yes. up with the release of a certain impending movie <laughs> I can't wait it'll be bad right yeah <laughs> So, that... Oh, so, our theme tune. You know
1: what? I'll do the theme tune. You
0: always do it. Let's just mix it up for a bit. Shake it up a bit. Get things exciting. Keep the listeners on their toes.
1: This has been Sonic the Comic the Podcast. Our theme tune was synchronized by Sonic the Comic the Band, who you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. We have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast, and we will see you next Next time. time.
0: Apparently, Ink Pellet is the name of the arts magazine for teachers. So apparently teachers still know what Ink Pellet There's is. Even that the school
1: connection is still there, yeah. yeah, whatever yeah. it may have ever been. <laughs>